0: Thank you so much for joining me today on the Maximum Mom Podcast. And it's so nice to be back because I was off for two weeks. I was on my little worldly trip to France, which was a ton of fun. But um, I'm so glad to be back. And today, I cannot tell you how excited I am to introduce you all to Laura Hartnett. And you all are going to be so excited to learn about Laura's business, Law by Design. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's a thrill to be here, Leigh. Oh, I just cannot wait to introduce you to the world of law firm owners because we all need to know more about law by design. Well, but first, I always like to start, you know, this podcast, as you know, it's about lawyers, entrepreneurs, moms. I mean, it's that trifecta we deal with. Tell us who is in your family, like who makes up your family?
1: Yep. My number one supporter is my spouse, Dan. He's a Spanish professor. So we actually were talking about some weird medieval legal things this weekend. So we get to like geek out over other weird stuff that's not law. And then I have two girls who are five and eight and just fabulous and handfuls and creative and all that wonderful stuff.
0: What great ages those
1: are. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. And we just took them to Europe for their first trip just a couple of weeks ago. And so that was, seeing that through their eyes
0: was, it was like I had never been before. So that was, that was really cool too. That is amazing. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit. I mean, we just have to dive right into the law by design because I really want people to learn about this and understand it. First, tell us about your career trajectory. How did you end up? doing law by design? where did you start and where are you now? Yeah, it makes sense. as a lot of people when you look back, you go, oh, that's why I did all those
1: things. And so when I graduated, I became from undergrad, I became a management consultant and I had worked on Capitol Hill, and I was, I was helping federal agencies sort of figure out how to be cheaper, better, faster. This is where my friends didn't understand what a management consultant was, so they thought like I was a spy or something. And honestly, we just worked in PowerPoint the whole time, and I missed writing in sentences with like periods at the end of them. So I went to law school, of course. So uh-huh. went to law school, became a litigator, and then, you know, lived in full sentences. Yeah. But at the same time, I started to kind of pull back from those full sentences because we started to have clients saying, "Well, can you just red, yellow, green what our options are?" You know, and I watched other attorneys kind of go, I, I, "I don't, I don't know how to put color on a memo." You know, I mean, they just we couldn't give business clients what they needed outside of what we were trained to do in law school, and so I sort of watched this. I was in big law. It was exhausting at that point in time. I had a one-year-old that I remember saying like, don't learn how to walk right now. I need to work. And recognizing it on the mom's side, I couldn't put her on hold. You know, my husband and I, we could have dinner later or we could see each other later, but I couldn't put her on hold. So made the transition in-house, which was a great move. So then I flipped to the other side because now I'm hiring the outside counsel and I'm working directly with my business clients and I'm realizing- sentences are like the last thing that they need a memo is the worst thing and so i really got to start to experiment how do i deliver my legal message in powerpoint like back when i was a consultant and how do you know how do i add color and charts and graphs and they got it and i that's where i trained in design thinking which was really taking off in the business world and and that's when i took it to the legal department to say this isn't just for the business this is for lawyers too and so I got really excited about that pandemic hit and I said, it's time. This is what I want to do. I want to do design thinking with attorneys in helping them how to provide legal services, first and foremost, that they go to humans and they're provided by humans and really put humans back in the equation of what legal services are so that it all it all makes sense when I look
0: it, back. It does. And I mean, you just speak my language so much when you talk about, you know, providing legal services to humans and by humans. I mean, it's kind of a random thing. But just this past weekend, I was at Disneyland and I was lucky enough through a, a network connection to get lunch at Club 33, you know, their private club thing, which I didn't know anything about. But that being said, the entire experience at Disney, literally the whole day, I've just kept thinking, oh, my gosh, the amount of customer service, attention to detail that is put into Disneyland is pretty monumental. And I mean, on all levels, I mean, from the, you know, the biggest masses like, How you're getting your ticket, how you're getting on the tram, how the lines are actually engineered. I mean, for the masses to, you know, how do you get your fast pass ticket and how do you get up to the front of the line and how do you get into this swanky club and, you know, you're, you're going to be having your swanky lunch in air conditioning and, you know, it's all going to be lovely. It's all human based. I mean, that's right. And it's exactly it. Yeah. Disney
1: does it better than anyone else, I'll tell you, I, and the moms will understand, I finally broke down and ordered new bras because, you know, now you can just order them from the companies and they come and you yeah. can try them on with a glass of wine in your bathroom. And I'll tell you, the packaging made such a difference. Some arrive just like smashed and awful. Some beautiful boxes, you open it, it gives you this beautiful kind of like, you know, wonderful body positive message inside. I will give you, you can have one guess. Which bras I kept and which ones I returned. Right. They thought about me with a glass of wine in my bathroom, opening these boxes, trying to get excited about new bras, which I was like, I'm not nobody, no, but nobody likes this process of shopping for bras. Oh. So, how do we make legal services? How do we provide legal services more like Disney? Like while our customers are waiting for us or waiting for the court opinion, how do we how do we entertain them while they're in that queue? It, it's the same thing. But it it requires stopping and asking those questions and going into that. And that's where I think it makes the difference
0: between enjoying
1: the practice of law and just getting fed up with the practice of law, frankly. Completely.
0: I mean, and being just so burned out and stressed and overwhelmed where you're like, what am I doing? And why am I doing it? Yeah. I can't write another legal memo. No. Yeah. Because when you see your
1: clients light up and get it and go, or you've, you've provided something to them in the right format that they go oh, oh, you mean I don't have to translate what you just did and I don't have to put right. it in the two pages for the board meeting? Like, I can just use this or you just focus to the conversation because we don't have to talk about anything in green. We just talk about the red. It it, it allows you to do what you do in the best way possible and get excited about it. And that's where the, my ultimate mission too is I have seen So many women and minorities and other marginalized groups leave the practice of law because it wasn't designed for the full person, the full experience. And so that's my mission is I want to give them the skills so that they get excited about the practice of law again, that it is actually easy in a way and fun. And I think it can be when you start to apply some of these questions and some
0: of these skills. Well, in just the thought of, I mean, I don't know what you think about this, but the whole idea of just bringing your authentic personality into your practice of law without regard to maybe your authentic personality isn't typical in like, the practice of law. But that's okay. Oh, and, of course. and not having, you know, whether it's a, a partner or, you know, a law firm culture, try to shape your personality into something that you know, makes them feel like it's all more normal. I mean, I felt like when I was in, you know, bigger law firms as a younger attorney doing insurance defense litigation, they all wanted you to do an act in a certain way. And I was just like, well, but that's just not me. So I don't think that's going to work so good. Me me neither.
1: No, and you do, you hire a person. You don't, in any other business, you're not hiring just for, just for the outcome, exactly. You want that experience of opening the box, of waiting in that line. And so you get that with the person and their personality. And that's, that's, and on the lawyer side, you're going to attract more people, more clients that like you and like that. Do you really want to serve generic bland individuals if you are not generic and bland? I don't, God, I hope not.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have found, I mean, and I, as I told you before this podcast, and as a lot of people know who followed our firm story, I mean, we have grown just precipitously over the last few years. And I get asked all the time, like, why do you think you've been able to grow when all these people are having so much trouble hiring people? And I mean, one of the reasons I feel like we've been able to keep our pipeline of potential team members just filled to the brim almost just constantly is the idea of what you talk about, about, you know, really, Treating people, bringing it all about the people. I mean, the clients are people. You are serving a person. You are a person serving a person. Your firm needs to serve their team members and their clients. I mean, and it's all people and it's all about those connections and that how do we deepen those personal connections and bring value to those relationships, whether it's the employee team member or whether it's the client. That's exactly it, and so everything I do,
1: I, I've really broken down this idea of design thinking that's out in the out of the business world into sort of three easy steps for mm-hmm. attorneys because we don't we don't need to over we overcomplicate enough in our mm-hmm. life we don't need to do this. And so the word that I can't believe we haven't said yet, but my first whole step is empathy, mm-hmm. and that is exactly it. You have to understand who you are as a person, who is on your team, what are there. You know, this is where we start to get a little touchy-feeling, not inappropriately, but just a little like. What are their desires? You know, do you have the paralegal on your team who's real, who their true interest is art? And most people go, well, they kind of dismiss that. Oh, well, there's no no place for that. Well, maybe there is. Maybe they want to do more of the social media, more of the photography maybe they can do little like fun cartoon sketches that you send out with your, you know, your Friday emails. Like there's a way to keep that person in. So it's about having empathy. And we spent a whole first third just kind of looking at who you are, who your client is, who your colleagues are to really understand who you are as people. And then you go into experimentation. And that's where You get to just kind of like, let's try different things. Like, what if we had a time machine? What would we do? What would we do on $5? What would we do on $5 million? And then taking it to kind of starting to implement it. And how do you do it on a small scale? Because then when I see people do, and they do this a lot when they buy technology and nothing against kind of the big technological firms for providers for legal software and things, but they're like, here's what we have. But if that doesn't, if you buy a very expensive program and you implement it, but you haven't gone through the process to understand whether that's what you need or what you want, it's not going to work. So how can you try things on a small basis, maybe with a couple of people on your team first or try something with a client? And how do you get feedback from that? I mean, that's the step that if I could have, if I could have attorneys do one thing, stop and, and ask. How did that go? Even just after a meeting with a colleague or with a client, you know, when you know that they're in a position where they're going to give you some honest feedback, get that feedback. And then how do you put it back into the system? I mean, that is so what we're really talking about is empathy. And that's where it's step one for what I discuss with people.
0: Oh, it's I mean, I kind of think empathy is everything. (laughs) Like, you know, in understanding when you talk about that paralegal who loves art it just immediately reminded me, I mean, we have the, I mean, really some of the most robust and wild Slack channels in our firm. We're a virtual firm. So we are always figuring out how to build community. I mean, that's one of our just highest priorities, you know, as a a leadership team is that community piece, but we do a thing on Friday. And I mean, we all like eagerly await our Friday thing where people have gone in and they've answered all these questions and they it's like a narrative and they tell us about themselves and what they're interested in, what their dreams are, what their pet peeves are, you know, whatever. And we get all these pictures. We have some of the most amazing people on our team who have such varied interests, skills, curiosities, unicorn spaces and it has been fascinating to be able to tap into those where we have one person who literally makes the most amazing cakes. Like I am a hundred percent convinced she could run a multi-million dollar cake business. I mean, they are literally top-notch. Well, people on our team have actually bought cakes from her, you know, where she's now baking cakes for other people for birthdays and things we've had people who are card makers you know and they're selling Christmas cards and things and I mean it's amazing what you can learn about each other and then follow up with that and that is going to create huge connections and the possibilities become fairly endless when you're curious enough to empathize with your team I just I mean, I, I really do. I think it's amazing that empathy is the first thing when you think of your checklist. You think of empathy. That's the first, and
1: and curiosity. That is huge. Asking those questions. I mean, my goal truly is that I want to give attorneys these skills, and I just want to let them use it all day, every day, with their families. I'm <laughs> like. My spouse and I had this conversation. I'm a systems person. I'm going to set up systems in my household. Right. So we were discussing about we will plan out meals for the week. And he's frustrated because he's like, on well, Saturday mornings, I can't get anybody's. I'm trying to understand what we're going to make for it. He, he cooks, lesson, what we're going to make for the week. And I'm like, well, let's design, think this. You know, Saturday mornings, let's look at what the kids are doing. They're running around. They're excited to be home. They're watching stuff, you know. I'm sort of like just sipping my coffee very slow. I'm not hungry because I just had pancakes. Like let's meet people where they are. So maybe it's a bad time to ask them those questions. Where else can we put that? But I mean, that's a household example. But you think about when when you talk about kind of curiosity yeah. and creativity. We all have those conversations with our clients of, oh, what, you know, what Netflix show are you binging? And, and I've even suggested to attorneys, well, if they're binging, you know, whether it's Bridgerton or it's, a, you know, it's the crime podcast or whatever it is, how can you make your writing even sound more like a crime podcast? You know, yeah. how can you present it in a way that that holds their attention and that becomes fun for us because I truly believe lawyers. We tend to say, "Oh, we're not very creative." We are so creative. We're oh. always coming up with new problems and solutions yeah. and finding things. We are so creative. So learning to use that in new and fun ways to connect and to build that community is just—I mean,
0: that's the dream. Like that's it. You know, that—that's what I want. Yeah. Well, it is. And it's and then when you go to your next step, that experimentation, that's the one that gets me so excited. I have to tell you, I am my queen experimenter. I love experimenting. <laughs> I just think that there are I'm like, how do we know what could be if we're not willing to try weird out the box things? And so right. I'm always, always I mean, my team would just like cringe, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm always sorry, coming up with sorry, these, team. <laughs> I know these like innovative. I'm like, well, why don't we try this? And people are like, nobody's ever done that. I'm like, who cares? Like, wh- what does that mean? Like, I don't care if nobody's All ever more done that. Yeah. Maybe like,
1: it, maybe it works for you and you won't know. And doing it in safe and small and cheap sort of way, yeah. because it's when people and we've seen this with businesses, you know, the, the edict comes down from one high. We will all now do <laughs> this thing that no one has ever seen before. Right. You know, that's when they always say it's dead on arrival because no one buys into it. I mean, and, and this is the background in change management, right, that I kind yeah. of pull from to go. No, we need to do it in little bite sized pieces. We need to preview it. We need to get it wrong a couple of times and then we go, oh, oh, here's what worked for men. Here's what didn't. Here's what we're going to go and try. And totally. do next. So that's, that's exactly it. But lawyers are so risk adverse. They're not, just, you know, you have this great sort of abundance mindset. Something is going to work out of this, it. And it's trying to free ourselves of the, we don't have to do it the way it was taught to us. Right. We can do it differently
0: starting from there. Well, and one thing that I've been working on is setting up a beta group, not only of people on our team, but past clients and current clients to just have a beta group. Almost, it's almost, I think of it like a board of directors. I mean, being a, you know, I mean, I guess we're a mid-sized firm now. I don't even know what, what sizes people are. I've always called us a small firm, but I don't know if we're still small. But you know getting that group of people kind of like a board of directors you know who you can really look to and try some things and and be able to talk to them really frankly about their experience yes. because that is the thing i think when when i think of experimenting is we have to really understand cuz one the way it looks on the back end is not always how it's perceived on the front end that's right and really getting those experiments in place where we can get that feedback. And I I love data. I'm a firm believer in getting all the data so that when I do my experiments, I can determine if they've been, you know, abysmal failures or, I mean, and I try not to even call them failures because to me, it's just an experiment and it's just data. So if it doesn't work out, that's great. I've just learned something. So I've knocked something off the list that I don't need to, Try again, or maybe I I might want to tweak one thing and then try it again and get that data. So, right, right. yeah. I just think right. that experimenting is so important. Well, tell me a little bit about. I mean, no doubt with your experience, you work a lot with like I think of lawyers, maybe in bigger law or you know medium law firms. Do you also work with smaller law firms where you can come in and maybe think about design thinking a process? Like intake is something I know that gets discussed a ton among you know small business owners is that yeah. something you would do You said it perfectly. That's exactly
1: it. You know, because I want to be able to reach, there are, you know, the law firms are basically all little entrepreneurs, you know, all the little fiefdoms. So sometimes you think that, especially for women, oh, I'm hampered by what the whole law firm does. When you actually own your own piece of it and you can redesign it. So I want to make sure I reach to those individuals that maybe the whole law firm isn't really embracing this sort of mindset. But you can, I do see a lot more of the creativity and the curiosity in the small law firms where I have done those types of things. You come in and for whether it's a week or you know, kind of a couple of days or like a full, a full sort of day, go through the process. And it's funny, intake is one of the most popular. And I like to call it an introduction. I'm gonna get rid of the word intake because intake does sound very sort of computer transactional, whereas When I think of it as an introduction, it's a conversation, it's what information do I want to get from this person, but also what do I want to share with them, that exchange? So really kind of understanding what that is, because that can absolutely shape. I find if you can change how you think about that introduction with a client, then it makes it easier to change during the rest of what we call the client journey, in which you're doing the legal services for them, providing it, following up, closing it out, then maybe, maybe they become... A client again, or they send you to your friends. But it's really about, and, and I know a word we haven't said is that delight. You know, do you delight in delivering these services? And right. does the client delight in receiving them, which we don't really use with legal services a lot,
0: but we should. We oh, really should. I love that. I never have used that word delight in that context, but wow. I love that. I think it's exactly what we should be thinking about and talking about. I mean, again, I go back to my Disneyland. I mean, I would say they have delight down pat. 100%. Yeah. And it's exactly what we should be bringing. I mean, I think of it in terms of joy, which is probably pretty similar yes. in the, yes. the delight, you know, vernacular. I mean, but I think of it in terms of how do we bring joy to our team members, you know, and our colleagues, and how can we bring joy to our clients? And I think joy is one of those things that people forget to infuse into every day, you know? And I mean, I have this silly... I mean, I say it's silly, but I I use it every day. So I guess I don't really think it's that silly, but it's a thing. It's like a daily calendar and I still write it out by hand because I'm that person that really likes to see things on a piece of paper. And one of the line items on my daily thing is self-care and then one is joy. And so literally every single day I see on there what joyful activity I'm gonna do. And I mean, that could be something as simple as I'm going on a kayak ride, you know, I'm going kayaking or I'm going on a walk or I'm going to watch a movie with my husband. I mean, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, but but I'm very intentional about making sure joy is infused in every day. And that sounds kind of silly to think about, like intentionally putting it on. But it has helped me so much just experience more joy. And remembering that your clients,
1: you know, so when you think about that, that woman, when she completes this divorce, which is one of the most stressful and painful and emotional and physical things that she will ever go through, how does she get to the end of that experience and go, oh, I hated that divorce. Oh, you know, I love working with my lawyer, though. She right. was great. How do you design an experience where, yes, you know the facts are still the facts, and you still need to do the thing and file the thing and write the contract? How do you do that? But where's that other layer that that becomes the memory for the experience? That's that's exactly it, and that's where you will have joy. She will have joy, uh-huh. and I just think I just think it increases the energy
0: in the universe I and mean, we like tenfold by doing that. Absolutely. Oh. Completely. Well, it's funny. I mean, years ago when I started our firm, I was bringing a child off to college at some point. So I'm there, you know, and he had to go early as a football player. We stayed at this hotel and it was called the Deer Path Inn in Illinois. It's in Lake Forest, Illinois. Never. I mean, it's this little boutique hotel. These people absolutely got Every one of your needs before you even knew you needed it, you know, like they were ahead of you on everything like we drove up, they immediately knew my son's name, don't ask me how I still do not know, but they did. They knew we needed umbrellas coming out of our car. It was starting to rain. They're there with umbrellas. They're there with warm cookies at our car door, knowing we had driven. You know, I I was just like, okay, you people are kind of freaky. (laughs) Like, how much you're on top of things. But I thought to myself, here I am dropping this child off. You know, it's happy and sad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're doing this. Bittersweet. Yeah. They were absolutely attuned to that. Like I would go down and talk to the desk about something and they would say something like, oh, this is an exciting time for your son to be starting his college football. Oh, this also must be tough. I know you live across the country and getting to see those football games is going to be, you know, trickier. Like, do you know what I mean? Like they were literally, I was like, how do these people do this? Right. I literally came back to my firm after that weekend at that hotel and said, we need to create the deer path and experience for our clients. I was like, these people have got this <laughs> town packed. And it's so fascinating to me how many law firm owners really just overlook all this. Like they're just, you know, on the KPIs, the numbers, the who's billing what. And it's like, They're forgetting some of that, those experiential people connections. Mm -hmm. And they think, and some of the, some of the objections that I hear, well, it's going to be
1: expensive if we have to have warm cookies on demand, you know, and then it's not always about expense. You can design, Oh, you got a budget, we can design for that. Let's make sure we use that money wisely. But right. it's also some of the, I know, you know, one example talking about that human connection, especially with in-house counsel, you get to see what law firms send you at Christmas or at the right. holidays and how many boring, generic Christmas oh, cards, really? not Maybe they were personalized. Ooh, personalized, you know, um, maybe a little thing. And then I had at least one attorney in Boston would send, and I forget if it was virtual, I think it was virtual, because that was even better, with pictures of his family. And kind, just like he would send to his friends, Uh, you know, his son's playing basketball, and they went on this trip, etc. And that gave me that next time I'm, you know, I go to court, and I'm sitting next to our, you know, outside counsel, I can say, Oh, how's the basketball going? Or how you know? Did you catch the big one up at you know up at the the Thousand Islands? It totally gave me more to talk about and connect with him as opposed to well, I got it done. I said I sent I sent the card to the law firm, to the people, to the it, so much more. And that was that a budget thing? No, that was an email because I could also respond to it and hit reply and say love to the pictures, happy holidays, can't wait to connect in the new year.
0: Absolutely. I can oh, I mean, with a paper card. I think with any budget, I mean you can create a human connection. I really do.
2: Have you ever felt overwhelmed with everything there is to do within your legal practice? How do you keep up with your legal work while making time for growing your practice and attracting clients? Do important things like deadlines and even your family fall through the cracks? This is why you should join us at the number one conference for legal entrepreneurs, MaxLawCon. We're going to be focused on helping practices scale and bringing calm to the order. This conference is curated in order to accelerate your implementation. Based on where you are in your legal practice, we're going to help you identify exactly what is most important right now. When you leave MaxLawCon, you go home with complete clarity. Focus and a plan to make 2022 your best year ever. And not only your best year in terms of revenue, but your best year in terms of time. Time back with your family. More time to do the work that is in your zone of genius. Only taking the clients that you like. And more money in your pocket. It's all at the Maximum Lawyer Conference. Max Law Con is a two-day event on Thursday, June 2nd and Friday, June 3rd in St. Charles, Missouri. Seats are filling fast. Grab yours today at www.maxlawcon2022.com.
0: Have you read or learned about this whole giftology? John Rowland. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's yes. exactly it. And I think he makes such a good point about really thinking not only about the, you know, the, your counterpart, like, you know, that other attorney you might be sending it to, but their family. You know, and and how can this be connected to their children in some way or to their spouse in some way? And I think about that a lot in gifts that I send out to people. You know, if I know somebody's spouse is a huge New Orleans fan, you know, and I'm from New Orleans, I mean, I might, you know, curate some gift all of New Orleans products. And, you know, I'm sending it to my counterpart, but I mean, I'm going to write a note to their spouse or whatever. And that's going to have more meaning for sure. Absolutely. No,
1: he is the master of that. And that's that's the empathy because he's yes. picturing the experience of when they open, what they do right. with it. I know I just got a branded, a beautiful, fabulous branded water bottle oh. with the company's brand. This is one of his things. Don't put your brand right. on it. Had they maybe put my initials or Laura on it. I might use it even more often, right? And people might say, oh, I like that water bottle. Then I would say, oh, I got it from, right? and then continue. And that conversation is worth so much more than somebody just glancing at my water bottle and maybe- seeing a logo that they know or don't know. And that's a John Ruland exactly principle. It's starting with that empathy, picturing just like the hotel. Oh, our travelers are going to be tired. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be wet. What would I want? Well, here's what I would want. Let's try it. Let's see how this works. It's bringing that to the legal experience. It requires stepping away and thinking about it, but it's so
0: worth it. Yeah. Well, and when I think of it, I mean, I think of it in some ways, I feel like it's almost selfish, but I think of it so much about my team. I mean, I just feel like I spend hundreds and hundreds of hours a month thinking about my team members. Like, I don't know, I feel like as the leader of my office, I mean, my just highest, highest calling is to help my team you know, be as fulfilled as possible and really bring them up, like, you know, develop leaders inside our team. And so when I think of all this, I mean, I think of like, how can I make my team members have their jobs be such that when they're coming in, it's safe for them to innovate, to think, and it's safe for them to push back and be like, you know, oh, this isn't working for me or, you know, we're doing this this way and I'm seeing this problem and be able to communicate that to people, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's me or it's their direct leader or whoever, so that we are creating an environment of where it's not just we're all coming to work to, you know, draw up a document or get a family divorce. I mean, we're coming to work to like collaborate with each other and to support Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. through our lives and like through our daily existences, which sometimes, you know, it's problems or whatever. And I just think your idea of like bringing this design thinking into law firms, I mean, do you meet with whole teams sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're doing this? Yes. Yes. So sometimes it can it can be because you do
1: want to have everyone's perspective. Yeah. Now, sometimes there has to be if an organization has been very indoctrinated into a certain hierarchy. And we're mm-hmm. talking about law firms here. Sometimes there does need to be, say, an anonymous survey to begin with. You know, so that way I can see okay, this is what you're all thinking and I can kind of put those ideas anonymously in front of them to get some of that reaction or meet and kind of break off into different types of groups, but absolutely to have them all because one of the things, I mean, one of the best things in business that I know I learned that I can share is you have the answer. I don't come in and I can't say, here's what you need to do. Don't ever pay for that. You have the answers. It's my job to bring them out of you, to ask the questions, to push you to go further, to try to think it more. And I think the ideas start to generate when you have, One person and someone says, you know, we always use the yes, and of course, you know, yes, and let me build upon that. Yes, and let me build upon it. Now we've got a better idea from the entire group than I had if I just would have met with, say, the law firm administrator or just the, you know, senior partner, because they can't see what's going on at the secretary's desk, who you know they know. What is going down? You need all all those perspectives
0: together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, One thing I think about when you talk about asking questions, I mean, do you have a particular question that, you know, it's kind of like your go-to question when you're working with firms? I have so many, but I know one. Uh, My
1: favorite is just the how might we insert the rest of the question there? How, Mm -hmm. because it puts you in that future mindset. And it also shows you that it's possible. You know, it, it's a question of hope, you know, not to be too touchy-feely about that too, but it is. It's the, how might we have that divorce where the person says, oh, but I love it. I love that. How might we reduce confusion when someone has just lost their elder? How might we? And, and so by starting with empathy, you can't just quite start with how might we. And also you have the we part too. I'm just saying, we're just talking about how might we all of a team knowing that no one person can do it. So it helps kind of display some of that responsibility. I love that. And that's one of the, it's a dreaming question. And it's one of those, when you put it out there, because we're lawyers too, your brain starts to answer the question. You you immediately start to come up with different ways to solve it. Now we're going
0: somewhere with how might we. So that's what I would encourage. Oh, I just, I love that. I mean- we actually instituted a dream program in our firm and had our first recipient of that dream program just a few weeks ago. And it was one of the more powerful things for me as the leader of the office to get all these applications of people applying for the dream program. And, it, and it's a program of totally open-ended of things like people who might need you know, some fiscal help for something. Maybe it's a down payment on a house, or maybe they're looking to go back to school and you know, become a paralegal or become an attorney, or maybe they want to go on some once in a lifetime trip. And so they sh- send in applications. They kind of tell me what steps they've taken thus far in achieving that dream and where they are in their you know, final ability to act on that dream. And then we are choosing one person every quarter as the recipient of this program. And it reminds me of that, you know, how might we, it's like how in, for us, it was how might we help our team members achieve their personal dreams? Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so, and you solved it
1: and you're fulfilling it. Yeah. And you're creating joy. That's exactly. that's that's exactly it. I want to go back to, because I had another thought that maybe, maybe this will be your new Slack channel ad and I, and I offer this to anyone else too, but you talk about it. Having that space to fail, and whether you call it failure, you call it well, now I know that, you know, <laughs> whatever that is. But I've I've encouraged lots of lawyers, and very few, if not maybe maybe none of them, have actually taken me up on this. But starting team meetings with "Here's what I did that didn't work." Oh yes, I just want to share that? You know, that develops that when we talk about that authenticity, that vulnerability that we want to have. Yep. to say there is a safe space. So having, you know, having a slack channel of this did not work, and that helps that yeah. environment of innovation and trying things. Because then somebody's going to respond to that and say, "Well, did you do this? Did you do this?" I, I think right. I, this is why I love making macarons. I'm not great at it yet, but I have to keep failing. The oven temp, or how long, you know, there's three different methods to make the meringue, or what kind of filling I would, I make so many mistakes every single time they're tasty and I eat them all and I make my friends eat them. Right. And that's part of the fun and getting comfortable with just failing until you get this delicious, perfect little French cookie, right? That's um, it.
0: I just love that idea. I mean, that it's, we will start that Slack channel. So I will let you know once that's in place because I mean, We talk about it, we talk about that safe space, but I mean, it only makes sense to put it out there where we can talk about what didn't go right and then brainstorm around it, but also just, I think, flexing that muscle of being comfortable announcing When you've done something that didn't work out well or made a mistake, I mean, I try to model that all the time and lucky for my team, I make mistakes, you know, like in the thousands every day. So we have lots of examples to choose from. And so I try to model that where I'll say, oh, yeah, well, I completely botched this or I did this because I feel like. You know, how else are we ever going to learn? And one thing we're noticing, and I'd be curious if you see this with the firms, people who come to us from other firms, and maybe they've been at another firm for a long time, they almost have PTSD type reactions to talking about errors. Like it wasn't safe in all firms to make errors. No, no, I, I, I. I came from one of those firms
1: and even where it came down to, but this was a matter of interpretation and I didn't, (laughs) but we would have done this other thing and we would have been fine. You know, we would have worked our way out of it and they're going, Oh no, no. And, and, you know, it just takes, that's where you waste so much time and you waste so much money because you're trying to cover up the error. Nobody wants the error versus getting it out in the open is quickly as possible getting a team on it but accepting it's going to happen and kudos to you because it starts the tone is set by the leadership so as soon as a leader says i made a mistake here it is whether it's small or large and i want to take this back to the mom conversation not not a child psychologist by any means but i know for me i make sure i tell my kids on the regular hey mama messed up hey mama made so many mistakes today well, look what we're going to do. Because are we good problem solvers? Yes, we are. So we're going to problem solve our way out of this.
2: Absolutely. Is it something
1: we can't solve? Absolutely. My, my husband always likes to say, and again, he's just better than I am. He's like, we're resourceful and we have resources. Yeah. So let's figure out what our resources are and where we need to be resourceful and let's go to it. So I think that's important because otherwise we raise kids who then become that next generation of attorneys who are so scared to make a mistake because they never saw their parents make a mistake. So it we want to like, we want to release
0: that cycle absolutely. Oh, I think that is such a burden for children to not feel empowered to just fall flat on their face at times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I don't see how else we learn. And I mean, I was that parent that I'm like, "Oh, try this sport," you know, and my I, kids would be like, but I'm in sixth grade. I can't start this in sixth grade. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you can start anything, anytime. time. Like yes. you could be 45 and decide you want to learn to play lacrosse. Like, I assure yes. you it's okay. Yes. And, but you really do have to model that where you're trying new things and putting yourself out there. And, but I mean, I think part of the generation of children we've seen that are, really, that failing causes a lot of anxiety. And it's like, right, uh, that's worrisome to me, because I don't know, I'm quite comfortable in my failing (laughs) routines. And I, I just think that I mean, I I like to say I fail forward, you know, like I keep going, I usually pick myself up, dust myself off, try to figure out if I've got some good data, like what I did wrong, how I could fix it. But then I'm up for the next experiment. I just, it's funny you talk about that law firm when people spend time trying to cover up. I mean, we are in the process actually of creating our, oh shit process. That's what we've named it. You know, where you have a problem and it's like, we just have to get a process around like, how do you announce it? Who do you announce it to? What team members come on to help brainstorm, you know, and figure out, but it, that the really overarching thing for me is how do we make this process just be as safe as humanly possible, where we have people falling over themselves to tell us if there's a problem, not the reverse.
1: Oh, that's so nice. because then And in doing that, to know that there's a process that feels like that safety net. And then yeah. when you bring in the other people, they don't come in with blame and oh I was working on this thing but now I gotta go help you know Stacy with her but no because they knew they were part of the solution and absolutely and, then, and you get to celebrate my, my final step too is always celebration and maybe this is something I know for a family we should yeah. We celebrated when we were in like the thick of lockdown and we got a bag of library books that we get, were able to pick up. Yeah. We put on Celebration by Cool in the Gang and we had, all, we had a whole like family hoedown because we we're like, we got library books. We have something new to read. We're so excited. Like, we just love to celebrate no matter what as a family. It's great yeah. to practice that, but also to have a celebration at the end, whether it's just a little virtual five minute dance party or whatever mm-hmm. works for your team and your community to be like, we solved it. There's nothing wrong. We got it. What did we learn from this? Yes. Go team. As a, Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, we've been, we've been in those organizations where let's hide it. Oh, I got to go help that person. Oh, you have just set up a beautiful system that is going to just raise everyone up. And that is, if I could just get more law firms to do that, that would be, wouldn't, wouldn't the practice of law be an amazing place in which we well. encourage everyone to join? Yeah.
0: And I think it's interesting because you and I, I think, are very much on the same like larger path of really radically disrupting how law firms do it. Yes. Yes. That that is actually that's funny because that's one
1: thing that someone had noted. Oh, you're you're really a disruptor. And they meant it as a compliment. And I thought, I will I will take that. I will. I, I love that idea. And, and to do it in knowing that we're not going to change everything. You know, we're not going to just blow up the world. We got to start with one thing because we are, we are lawyers. We are risk adverse. So how do we start by changing one thing? You know, maybe it's that client introduction process. And then that starts you thinking about, oh, well, now we could do this. Now we could do that. So doing it in safe, bite-sized pieces that oh. everyone's comfortable with, there's a way to do it. Oh, absolutely. That's what I really kind of help
0: lawyers embrace. Well, and just thinking about that entire client journey. I mean, I think of the whole thing from where they first get exposed to your brand to Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, wrapping up your work with them. And then you're literally looking like, how can that person become one of your raving fans and Mm -hmm. bring in other business similar, you, you know, like another ideal client just like them? And then how do you bring value back to that client for years to come where, I mean, one of my highest things that I just love when somebody reaches out to me. And I mean, I haven't worked for them for years. I had somebody do this this weekend and they were like, Elise, I know you're super connected in this particular area. Do you have resources for this thing that I'm struggling with, with my teenager? You know, I I need some help. And I was like, of course. But I mean that to me is like that full circle client experience that you want that is exactly
1: it and and I would even I, I'm even going to push and go even one step further at each end that what are they doing before they perceive your brand? You know, mm-hmm. what are they doing the moment before they have that problem, before they right. get divorced? And how do you even put yourself earlier in that stage? Yeah. And then also where I see, you know, and the best examples I have are certainly from my kind of, my time when where I really was kind of, I kind of became the spy. I was really on both sides, I was kind of on both sides of the equation is outside counsel and then in-house counsel yeah. in in really understanding how is the legal opinion, contract, whatever it may be, how is that going to be used well after the lawyer has left the picture? Because what I recognize that lawyers didn't understand is that even though my client might be the you know, whoever counsel or whoever in marketing, that that person was then going to have to go and implement it into an employee handbook, into a presentation, into other places that maybe they never told me about. Because again, they're you know, I'm billing them on six-minute increments, so they're not going to go into all of that. But trying to understand that my legal work has a life after I leave the picture. And how can I make that so that it is most helpful, most joyful, and has a best life, quite frankly, even after I'm gone. So that sometimes these questions really change the perspective of what we do from just being, writing the document,
0: which is boring. Yeah. And I mean, I think of in our work with family law, I mean, a parenting plan literally can last for 18 years. And how do I bring both value and really positive design thinking into that I mean that is a really provocative yeah. question yeah and that's and that's that's family law that's you know and and it,
1: you trust in the states too and it's kind yep. of one of those questions sometimes and again this is what I, I ask just lots of questions and we go deeper to try to figure out where is that thing it's sort of who is your client is your client mm-hmm. the 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 future deceased the person who's writing the will with you is your client the trust administrator? At the bank, is your client the accountant? You know, is your client the, any number of individuals who are going to read that, you know, that trust document, that will document afterwards. And are you, who's your audience? You know, who are you writing towards so that you make sure that this document, again, because it has to, very similar to the to the parenting plan, it has to fulfill all of these things. Many times, hope you always hope, many, many years after you wrote it. So it's thinking about these. This is it. This is legal design. This is the future. And this is what they are actually starting to teach in law schools. So there's just there's a handful of I, I say handful. And it should be even more than that. This is now taught at, at Vanderbilt at University of, of Minnesota. It's at Harvard. Um, it, you know it's really starting, now whether you take this class, it's you know there are, people are going to focus on your contracts and your torts, but it's starting to get there and that just excites me. So hopefully you're gonna have the new crop of lawyers coming out of law school or they were exposed to this sometimes even in their in their high school or in their middle school as they start to think about this coming out with this mindset. So I hope oh, this is the future generation and it's also just going to click to go. Of course, why would why would I
0: not do that in my legal practice? Of course yeah, we will. So. It is pretty exciting to think about really turning your focus as a law firm owner from the way we've always done things to the entire world of possibilities. That's it. Yeah, and I just think there's so much out there that... Law firms in particular just have not embraced. They have been very set in their ways. And I don't know that it's, you know, fully serving clients well at at all. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. No, No, the the pandemic, I think, helped
1: in that way. It was also painful in that it exposed a oh, lot yeah. of the, sometimes the, the hierarchy that people did not want to expose, the culture, um, how they delivered services and they weren't ready for that. So I think the pandemic in some ways has sort of, this has been a, again, and I'm one, I'm, I'm the glass half full, no surprise, right? That, that, that law firms are starting to see that and go, oh, how we did this before is not how we want to go
0: forward. And if we're going right. to use this time to reinvent, let's do it in a smart way. Laura, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this conversation. And I'm really excited for people to learn more about your work. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about law by design? Sure. So my website is my name. It's Laura
1: L-A-U-R-A, Hartnett, H-A-R-T-N-E-T-T dot com. And even if you go to innovate, I n n o v a t e dot laurahartnett.com, that will take you to I have a download where I really want people just to use it as sort of five alternatives to a legal memo. So if you don't know where to start, and you just want some ideas, and how could I present ideas to clients in different ways, I kind of tell you, good ways to do it, bad ways to do it, where you should, and give you a couple of examples. So that might help start your thinking a little bit from there. But would love to just hear where these ideas have impacted
0: you and what you took away from this. So would love if you you reach out. Well, I really appreciate that. And I look forward to watching your business just flourish as you do this work with law firm owners and lawyers in other law firm settings, because I think it can revolutionize how people are experiencing the practice of law. And to me, it's such a privilege to be a lawyer and I want people to love it. Yes. Yes. That
1: is my whole mission of let's revolutionize the practice of law into something that we actually
0: enjoy and we're proud of. Yeah. Bring back that, bring back that joy. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful day. And really? thank you again for dealing with my tech issues that I had at the beginning. I appreciate your patience. Num- and your number breaks. one for the, the the new failure slack channel, things that we learned, <laughs>
1: right? That's, that's great. That's You got it started right there. Oh, Absolutely. I so, I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for such a wonderful conversation and congratulations to all the success that you have used because you're
0: implementing these principles. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Elise. Bye, Bye, Laura. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.